Hey, welcome back, listeners, to Matt Goes to the Movies. I'm your host, Matt, and I'm incredibly excited for a couple of reasons for this episode. Number one, we're here to talk about the movie I, Robot with Will Smith, which I'm joined by Harrison from The Basement Binge, which it feels like it's been forever since Harrison and I have done anything together. So, Harrison, welcome. Thank you. I am really excited to be here. Like you said, it feels like it's been forever since we've been able to do a podcast with how I had to miss all the Loki ones. So I'm excited to do a podcast with you. And after having now watched iRobot for the first time because of this episode, I, I am excited for this. Yeah, one thing that um, I was actually like really looking forward to with this is this episode uh, for listeners of this show is literally like a year in the making Harrison. Um, I remember that we were originally going to do iRobot really when you and I first kind of met through podcasting. Um, your show was much different back then. Uh, my yeah. show was kind of just starting um, and we were going to do iRobot that turned into uh, doing the movie Bumblebee, which was a ton of fun. Um but to now come back and finally get to iRobot, like I was really excited about that because, like I said, it was really um, one of the first things that we talked about ever doing together. Oh yeah, I, and the thing is, I totally forgot about this. I, in fact, little short story about the basement bench forever ago. Like Matt said, it was way different at the time. It was actually three of us. We call ourselves the Tri Hosts, me and two good friends, uh, and we had done this thing where we had completed the mcu binge which was like our big project where we started episode with and we're like okay what are we going to do next and there was three of us and we're like okay what if we make our individual top tens and then combine them into a top 30 and those are our next 30 episodes and i robot was one of them that we were going to do and so we invited matt on the show to do it with us and then they like totally fell out of the podcast and it was like oh well i can't really do this top 30 without the other two people who made up this top 30. Matt, instead of iRobot, do you want to do Bumblebee? <laughs> like, I think it was like the day before, I think it was. Uh, so that's funny that you remember this, because I forgot about that until you just mentioned Yeah, there was, I, I think there were three choices. There were like three different options. It was like, hey, do you want to do Bumblebee? And then there were two other ones. And I was like, let's do Bumblebee, which I, I think we both kind of, when we did Bumblebee, realized... Um, like I knew I liked it, but I think we kind of realized how much more like we actually liked it starting to, to talk about that movie. So that was a lot of fun, but I'm, I'm super excited to talk about iRobot, but before we do Harrison, it's been a while. Uh, why don't you remind listeners um, of Matt goes to the movies, exactly what your show is. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to do that. Obviously, like you kind of hinted at, The Basement Binge is a podcast where I review movies. Uh, it's a great show. Uh, it's Now it's just me. And that's changed after that little short story you got. So I uh, pick movies that I, I'm really excited about and uh, to, and review them. Just recently, I, I got an episode out on Snake Eyes that's currently in theaters. And before that, got a super duper fun episode out on the Dune IMAX event, which was tons of fun to go to. So a review coming on La La Land. Yeah, I just I just love movies. I love watching movies, whether they're a bingeable series or a really meaning personal film to me. I love talking about them. And so that's what I do. And and Matt's been on the show much. 
uh, Rob has, and it's always a blast to talk about movies. Yeah, uh, I have not had a chance to check out the Snake Eyes one, uh, which I look forward to actually catching tomorrow after my work schedule clears up. But I will say for any listeners, um, if you've already checked out the Basement Binge from listening to this show or know of the show because you listened to that first and came over uh, to this show as well and, you know, dabble between both. Uh, I will say I've listened to that Dune um, IMAX review event and the pure like giddiness in that podcast about the excitement <laughs> that you had was actually really fun to listen to. Um, just to hear the genuine enjoyment that you had going to that event was really, really cool. So um if you want a really fun episode where you can tell somebody's passion for something, um, that Dune episode is definitely one of them where Harrison shows how much he uh, is looking forward to that movie. So that was a lot of fun. Well, thank you. But, so Harrison, uh, I robot. Let's get started here. And for listeners of the show, uh, this is where we're going to do our teaser trailer. This is two minutes, spoiler free. Uh, we are not going to give you anything that would ruin the movie in case you haven't seen it and you you know, want to check it out based on the fact that we're doing a recap of it. So Harrison, if you don't mind, why don't you give us your spoiler free thoughts of this movie, especially because this is, relative, this is the first time you've seen it in a quick period of time compared to this episode. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So I robot, I knew like absolutely nothing about it except for that. It was about robots and that Will Smith was in it. Like that, that was it. Uh, and I knew that my, the two friends that I did the podcast with were both big fans of it. Uh, it, and for whatever reason, my brain just automatically categorized it with, I am a legend, which I'm still trying to form my opinion about years later. Uh, but <laughs> so, it it was not it was one of those movies that's just kind of was like oh yeah it's like a Will Smith lead uh, you know sci-fi type film you know just that that category from the early two thousands that seemed so apparent and I never really thought much of it uh, so now having seen it especially because Matt you have had so much excitement about this episode uh, and it feels like so much genuine love for iRobot that it made me more and more excited as I was watching it and. I don't know what it is about this movie, and I'm going to have to rely on you, Matt, because because I'm so new to it. But it, but here's the thing, and I'm going to keep this spoiler free. It's a movie about robots with Will Smith, an action hero, in the lead role. So I'm probably, and it's in the future, in 2035, so you can probably imagine the the direction that the story is going just from the that idea behind it. But there's something about it that in its familiarity feels so new. Uh, and, and I just loved it. It feels different. It was exciting. It has this like thriller type, not thriller, but like mystery type thing to it. Uh, Will Smith is, is he is such a great lead. I understand now why everybody in the two thousands loves Will Smith. He is a phenomenal lead. And, you know, as far as sci-fi films go about, about robots and AI, there's something about this one that just feels really endearing. And it was it was great to watch. Um, I, I'm, there's so many things that I go to saying like, "Wait, that's a spoiler," and I can't. Um, <laughs> it's just I I'm really really shocked by how much I enjoyed it. You know, because it kind of started and you're getting the little synopsis about it, but it just starts in the the most unique way and kind of keeps that uniqueness among the familiarity familiarity 
I'm probably mispronouncing that, that this type of film has. And that there's something about it that's just really, really worked for me. Uh, it was fun. It, you know, and I, and I look back at it and I'm like trying to pick out parts of it that were, and I, I definitely have some, but it just seems like the whole thing was just like, yeah, that, that really worked. Yeah. You know, from my point of view and, you know, Harrison, you've, you know, you watched this recently, so it wasn't when this movie first came out, but for somebody who like didn't watch this in the beginning, or maybe who didn't follow Will Smith during this time period, I don't think you can ever like, unless you do real research on it, it's hard to understand or just accept the fact because he's not that same lead now. But back in this period when iRobot came out, Will Smith was a mega bankable star. You could attach him to something and it was a box office success no matter what the premise was. He was one of the main stars during this era of film and his box office draw his on-screen presence if you weren't doing if you weren't watching these movies around this time I, I think some people could maybe like not understand like why it's so likable or why something that's so familiar maybe was like did so well at the box office or something like that because a lot of the beats of this movie are very familiar if you've watched a sci-fi robot movie where, again, spoiler-free in this part, you can probably guess what the premise is, but it's really Will Smith at his absolute peak carrying this movie as a character that you want to know about, you feel a connection to him, why he has the emotions and the mindset that he does in this movie. So... It's this movie really works for me based on his performance. And I think there's actually some really strong messages in here when you actually look at what some of the robots are saying, what Will Smith's character is saying, um, and some of the other main characters in this movie. So I think there's a lot of factors that lend themselves to making this movie work as well as it does. I will say, too, that one thing, at least for me, uh, I own this movie, and I actually own the 3D conversion of this movie, which I got this on sale for $5 in 3D um, a long, long time ago. And boy, does this movie work in 3D. Like, If you're one of the people that can't watch 3D because it gives you headaches or things like that, I understand. But for me... When 3D is done right, I absolutely love watching back in that time period a movie in 3D. And the 3D conversion on this, even at the like, even watching it in my home on my 3D television that I have, is phenomenal, which added another level of enjoyment to this movie for me. So, um, this movie just works on a lot of levels for me. So, I will stop it there before I, I get into spoilers. So, but with that being said, you know, we're going to go to our next segment here at Matt Goes to the Movies. So if you haven't seen this movie for some reason, uh, you're going to watch this based on the fact that we're doing a review here. Uh, This is where you would pause this episode because now we're spoilers. So we're going to go from seat to screen here this next segment for the show. And Harrison, we can go back and forth here, but... 
I talked about it a little in the in the teaser trailer portion, but what does with full spoilers allowed? What does work about this movie to you? Uh, well, first, Alan Tudyk is Sonny. Uh, he uh, th- th- this robot who is going to be our guide into AI and and sympathy towards these robots and, and thinking and emotion and feeling. Alan Tudyk does amazing. Uh, that really works for me. Uh, separate from that, the, what I was saying is you get the typical story where there's AI or, or robots and AI invented, and then they come to the conclusions that humans are killing ourselves, so therefore we must be killed so we can stop. Uh, and, and they try and take over humanity. Like, how many times has that been done? A million. Uh, right. But there's something <laughs> about this where it starts with the suicide or so we think of the 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 inventor of the robots and how will smith is against the robots but we see so consistently that there's not really reason to be against them um and and almost just like the mystery side of it like why would it happen this way um the way that we kind of immediately suspect sunny uh, and and even uh, the the like the president of the company Robertson or whatever his name was uh, mm-hmm. the, the CEO played by Bruce Greenwood um, just the way that it kind of like switches around without just immediately going to the AI overloads or overlords are trying to take over that uniqueness uh, really works. Additionally, going back to Sunny, it's nice that it's not just like blatant AI is evil. They're trying to take over everything, but in the development of this AI of these robots. We get a robot who learns to feel and learns to have emotion. Uh, and because of that, has so much uniqueness that offers the story. And, and it, it makes it feel more well-rounded and less uh, binary in its view of the world. It makes things a little bit more gray, which is how our world is. Uh, and, and then, like you said, Will Smith's screen presence. I, I think that's it. Um, I, and I love the, like the bled, breadcrumbs slow reveal of trying to to peel back the layers of what actually is happening. Uh, I think those are the main things that I think of, at least right now, that work. I'll, I'll add on one more that, that as old as it is, what does it come out in 2004, was it? Yeah, 2004. Um, the effects have aged, uh, particularly in like backgrounds, you know, green screen that they have or, or hallways, things like that, or when, when they have two robots fighting the environment that those robots are in. But the robots themselves... Uh, actually look really good from my point of view. And they, uh, particularly the NS5s have this weird, like uh, uh, discomfort towards them that actually really, really works in the movie's favor um, while also still having a face that is uh, uh, comforting. That sounds weird to say, but right. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really just impressed by how well it does work in the simplicity and, and uh, unoriginality of this story because of how much originality it adds to it, at least from my point of view. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things is not only does, you know, Will Smith's character, detective Spooner work really well in this movie. Sonny is a relatable character in this. He has, you know, he's not a typical robot. He has emotions. He talks about having dreams. You can tell, you know, during an interrogation scene where Spooner is questioning Sonny about 
what happened and, you know, why did he kill Dr. Lanning who created, you know, the robots and the three laws and everything like that. And, you know, he has emotion on his face about, you know, did I do something to upset him or, you know, I don't know why he wanted to die. It's again, Harrison, you said it, it's a concept that is done before, but there is more of a relatable element of just, okay, robots are aware. They think humans are bad. They're just going to kill themselves. So we have to kill them. There's a lot of emotional attachment in between these moments of finding out exactly why these robots are turning, who is doing this, Um, which usually doesn't happen in these movies. There's not a lot of, you know, human connections that get behind these. It's just, Hey, you know, root for the humans because the robots are going to wipe them out. You should just do that. But you don't care. You know, you don't really care about character A, B or C. Like it's just supposed to be kind of mindless that you should root for them just because Uh, this movie's not like that. That's one of the things that I think really works is there's a lot of relatability to the characters and why they have the mindsets that they do. Yeah, I agree. All the characters seem really, uh, flesh out even the character of whatever the doctor's name is uh it was uh, uh alfred lanning dr lanning e- even that character and the ever and like he's not i mean he's in the movie but like he's not in the movie like everything right in his character that creates the events of this movie feels very fleshed out instead of just like oh hey we need this this plot device that progresses a story like even that feels very genuine to an uh, an individual it works really well yeah, it, it doesn't feel forced that he's just like a MacGuffin to advance the plot. Like every time his his hologram recording comes up, like comes up again, that could feel very just forced and feel very like he's only in this movie. But even the short amount of time that he has, they still make a good enough connection between him and Will Smith's character of Detective Spooner, where Dr. Lanning actually is responsible for saving Will Smith's life with cybernetics when he was in an accident, um, which in turn is part of the reason why Will Smith is, his character is so against robots. Uh, You find out that there was an accident and a robot based on probability of life saved his character over a 12-year-old child, which you know, he claims a human being would have been able um, to make that call and not just, you know, went on probability that they would have tried to save her no matter what. Um, And, you know, like I was saying, the doctor Lanning, he is not in this movie a lot, but you sense that he's important because of how much Will Smith's character is able to project that, you know, he does owe this man something for saving his life. He considered him a friend. So you care about Dr. Lanning and, you know, why he would supposedly commit suicide, why Sonny would be upset about that, why, to, you know, why he would have picked Spooner to, you know, investigate this case. There's a lot of connective tissue again, I'm just going to say that you usually don't get from these movies with these characters. Yeah, 100%. So 
with that being said, too, uh, one of the other things that I want to ask is it's kind of switching it a little bit, but it was re- it's really funny to go for me and watch this movie and see Shia LaBeouf in it because, mm-hmm. you know, I-, I don't know if maybe for you it was different because you've just recently watched this and I'm sure you've seen him, you know, from Transformers and everything. Like, did you have a certain feeling about seeing this and being like, oh, my God, that's like, geez, that's Shia LaBeouf. And wow, he was in this before he was really, you know, for that period of time, mainstream because of Transformers. Yeah, it made the film feel like really dated. Like, that was the thing that's like, oh, my gosh, this is like pre-craziness Shia LaBeouf. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is this is even Steven's Shia LaBeouf and it, it mm-hmm. made it feel really old. Uh, but the thing is, I'll reveal, I, I have this, uh, a soft spot for Shia LaBeouf, particularly that age of him and so semen, I, I did like. Yeah, no, I liked him. I thought his character was actually, I thought his character was actually pretty charming, so to speak, is the word I'll use. I thought he was funny, um, you know, and Will Smith's character just kind of like, Go home. Stop cussing. Like, yeah, um, it was actually like funny. It wasn't an annoyance because also too, you know, in these movies, sometimes you get that where that character is completely overdone. He's, you know, he's not a main character in this movie. I, I think his, his use is, is just the right amount of screen time where his stick doesn't get annoying. Usually you don't get that. They're just like, oh, well, this is funny. If we cram this into the movie, it'll like it'll be funny. Instead of it's only funny because you only get 10 minutes of it, let's put 30 minutes of it. And it's like, well, now it's not so funny. Yeah. I agree. I, when he didn't show up like repeatedly, I was like, wow, this is, this is good. Right. Exactly. So I, I liked him in here. I, you know, I like the character of the doctor. I, the, I will say one of the main characters that I didn't, it's not that I didn't like her, but I definitely felt like she wasn't as involved as what the movie led her out to be. Cause she is such a main character is um, Dr. Calvin who was working with Dr. Spooner, um, you know, really at the beginning has a problem with detective Spooner because of his hatred towards robots. But there was just something about her. And, you know, even rewatching this movie again, it's, it's not that she's bad. I just felt that compared to, you know, the other characters on the screen, I just felt that she didn't carry as much weight as what the movie I I felt like intended for her. I don't know. Did you feel any of that Harrison? Uh, Not really. Actually, I kind of liked her. There there was a few moments where like, I felt like the lack of weight in her was, was something that really worked for me. At least there was a few moments where I felt like uh, the weight that she did feel like particularly that one scene where she gets out of the shower and like sees that the NS5s are evil or whatever like that. It felt like she carried that weight appropriately. And it was really weird because I, I tried to like compare my thoughts immediately after the film to everybody else. And it seemed like one of the most consistent complaints is that character. And I was like, 
like, why did I like her? Like, I almost felt like guilty. <laughs> like, uh, I, I did something wrong. Uh, yeah, I can't really say why. There was something about it that just worked for me. Yeah, I think, you know, again, it, it, it's not that she was terrible for me. It just, and, and maybe because of the fact that I still have, you know, when I whenever I watch this movie, even though it's so far removed from when it first came out, my mind cannot help but think of the fact of like how big of a star Will Smith was during this time period. So I think like that for me, maybe in a weird way, like overshadows her performance because I'm just so like, I'm so captivated by Will Smith's presence on screen in this movie that maybe it just sort of like circumvents what I'm, you know, supposedly supposed to be looking for in this character. Yeah, I can see that. that so, sense. you know, you've got her. I do like, again, one of the things that works in this movie, though, is there is a serious tone to it. But there's also some like kind of subtle humor to me in this. And it's not jokes, but it's just there's one scene when Spooner and Kelvin are at his apartment and she's trying to talk to the radio because he's super old school and he doesn't have all of this technology <laughs> where, you know, basically yeah. in this movie, like everybody's got Google hubs and their homes are all connected to smart things, but he's got an old fashioned radio where she's like on music yeah. play. And he just comes out and he hits the button. He's like, doesn't feel good when I, you know, shit doesn't work for you. Or I, I'm paraphrasing however he says it. And it's like, yeah, that's just, and again, I, I think that just goes to show like Will Smith, but there's there's more moments like that where this movie actually makes me, you know, not laugh like uncontrollably out loud. But to me, it's some of those just small chuckle laughs throughout a movie like this actually hit better than those comedies where you get maybe one or two like pretty good, like deep, like belly laughs. Oh, I agree. And it really, like you said, a lot of it just deals with um will smith and and just the presence he has on the screen and how that really works yeah i he's again just he was god he was such a huge bankable star back in this time frame i mean this movie which made you know back then a lot of money he had hitch um he, he just was in hit after hit after hit and just making things work but you know, anything else in this segment, Harrison, from seat to screen, where we talk about what works, what doesn't work, is there anything else that you feel like we've missed that, you know, either really worked for you or, or didn't work for you in this movie? Yeah, let me go over my notes here. The first thing I had to say when I was just kind of reading through the trivia on IMDb, uh, apparently this movie had no reshoots at all, which I'm just blown away by. Like, that's that's unheard of for a blockbuster, I would assume, of this size. Uh, which I'm just impressed with, so I just want to point that out. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. yeah, no, I mean, you know, again, we're talking 2004 before everything was like, hey, it cost $250 million to make this movie. Uh, this had a production budget of $120 million, which then, you know, was a lot, a lot of money to produce on a movie. And yeah, to, to not have reshoots, I mean, anybody that probably listens to this show or listens to the basement binge or any sort of movie podcast, like 
you know how, I mean, basically any movie has reshoots. Um, but yeah, for this not to have it is, is like a really, it's a weird, it's a fun for somebody like me and for somebody like you, just like little trivia fact. That's like, how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah, it, it is amazing. Um, reading through my notes here, though, of things that really worked for me, because it seems like I wrote down more things that worked for me than things that didn't. I do have a few that didn't, but I want to talk about the two uh, other things that really worked for me is that 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 at the end of the film, uh, it's just because we were kind of talking about the emotion, uh, as the film is ending and we get that little monologue from uh, Dr. Lanning as uh, we're supposed to, we're, we're supposed to believe that Sonny is dying at the hands of Dr. Calvin. Um, and Will Smith has seen those other robots and he, he's saying these lines like, will this lead to a soul? How does this lead to that? Why do some robots seek out the, the light when they're in darkness in an empty space? Why do some robots like to stand together instead of apart? Like those types of things. There, there was something about that monologue that drove, drove home the entire idea of, of the emotion of all of it that, that really, really worked for me. And I found myself reflecting on that scene and particularly just that one line is that why do a group of robots in an, in an, an open space stand together? And, it, and like it shows Will Smith opening a, a shipping container and all the robots are standing together. And mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm thinking about that scene so much, but there's something about the way that that part of the film works together as we s- start to, get more and more of Sonny, particularly how Will Smith is living up to that drawing, that that dream that he had in that moment. There's just a lot about it that really, really worked for me in making this movie feel like a lot more than just another sci-fi movie where robots and AI take over the world because humans are stupid. You know, because that's been done so many times. There's something about the emotion that the, the entire movie getting to that point, but that point really solidified for me, or that, that point in the film. Yeah, I totally agree. I actually felt like this weird, like emotional connection at the end of the movie when Sonny and Spooner like shake hands and then Sonny's up on the hill with all of the robots looking at him. I again, I I think there's just this really nice undertone of, you know, somebody who is so focused and so determined on a mindset um, to take a step back at some point in their life or have something happen where, you know, they can really think about maybe some of the decisions that they've made or the thought processes that they have and, and make a change for the better. Uh, I think that's a really good message in this movie. And, you know, certainly today there's a lot that can be said about that, but yeah, I, I think there's a real emotional connection that you can get from this movie that you don't get again. You, you said it that you don't get a lot from these sci-fi movies. But anything else you want to mention from, you know, what worked and what didn't on the stuff that you, uh, that you had in your notes. Oh yeah, I was totally talking. I realized I was muted. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, yeah, uh, two real quickly. Two things that didn't work for me. Uh, one that that 
didn't work but did work and it's kind of a toss-up uh the entire idea of like ai gaining a, a mind of their own and realizing that humans are, are killing each other and destroying ourselves and so they've got to you know take control of it that idea feels so worn out and cheap to me and and so like particularly with vicky like, like everything revolving around vicky just felt like mcguffin ish uh mm-hmm. to me and feels really weak but the part of it that I do like is I love that it wasn't just like AI progressed to the point where they could ignore the three laws, but that her understanding of the three laws changes like, oh, in order to abide by the first law, I also have to break it. Uh, and, and so that like I thought was like, wow, that's actually really thought out, but it's also like so cheap. So I'm, not, I'm still kind of a toss up on that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It was, you know, it was like they were almost right there, but they like, oh, I just couldn't make it up the hill. Like, oh, geez. Um, but yeah, I would I would agree with you on that. I thought there it was like almost like, wow, you managed to find a way to make why the robots have turned um, almost really original to just. All right. Well, you can't win them all. <laughs> yeah yeah i agree uh the last one that really was disappointing me for me though and this is just is gonna come out of left field probably uh when sunny drew the drawing drew the drawing wow eloquence when he did that uh, and he there's all the robots <laughs> at the bottom and he's talking about how this this one individual on the hill will will free the robots my mind immediately thought how obviously the ns5s are going to be evil they're going to be taken out and something's going to happen with them at some point uh you know, because we're still kind of like halfway through the movie at this point. My mind immediately went to, and he mentions that there'll be a revolution, that that will be the leader of the le- revolution. And then um, then Spooner later talks to Dr. Lanning about whose revolution it is. Whatever. I thought the revolution was going to be the older robots uh, who, whatever they're called, just the older robots seeking peaceful uh, liberation and freedom you know, to, to exist with the humans, to, to coexist with them instead of kind of just being like slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then it was just like, nah, they all just died. <laughs> and uh, it, it was more about the NS5s. And so uh, there was something that was, because the, the film really had me thinking about these, these higher ideas. Um, and so I was thinking like, wow, that would be really cool to see how these, these older robots advance to the point where they're seeking peaceful, uh, equality so to speak versus the ns5s who are just like you know warlords gun us gun us and all gunning us all down uh but then it didn't happen so that kind of disappointed me but again like i don't think the movie was trying to do that i think i just thought too much about it yeah i mean there there was talks that they they had started to pen a sequel um not a lot of details on it but maybe that was something that they would have worked on Um, but you know, one thing that I find really, really fascinating about this movie is, you know, obviously you mentioned that there was no reshoots, which is crazy, but originally this movie was acquired for Brian Singer to direct this movie. Um, Oh, weird. Yeah. And if anybody knows, uh, listening, Brian Singer, he did X-Men, he did Superman Returns, um, and actually, Arnold Schwarzenegger was attached to this picture as Detective Spooner. Oh, no way. Before it actually was like, no. Um, and it wasn't even like 
they didn't want to do the movie with him. It, Arnold Schwarzenegger's schedule just delayed participation. Um, and so they made the switch. So it's just kind of funny to think about like Brian Singer directing Arnold Schwarzenegger as this guy who's supposed to get this emotional connection um, from the audience. So I definitely don't think this movie would have turned out anywhere near what it was um, had those original things happened. Um, Singer at that time, I probably had more confidence in, Um, you know, when this movie came out, I, he was still directing some pretty good picks. Um, But yeah, Schwarzenegger in that role, uh, I just, I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, that, that would make for a very different movie. So, uh, yeah, I, I found that pretty interesting. So, Harrison, I think you you got through them. So, any anything else that you didn't get through from what worked and what didn't work for you? Uh, no, that that, that was it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, this is one last thing that works for me. Very very small thing. Uh, as I did kind of make fun about how that it falls into the tropes of this type of story that the film is. From the moment the movie starts, I immediately know the direction that it's going to go. Like, just wait for the moment when the evil AI overload is re- overlord is revealed and the robots try and kill us all. Like, I was just waiting for that to happen. But it it kept my interest the entire time. It made the entire journey the slow reveal of getting to there and and how is all this craziness with it with a suicide and Sunny and these NS fives and and Will Smith's character Spooner all related and the the slow reveal that really kept me interested and i like after the first 30 minutes i sent you and rob a text i was like i'm only 30 minutes in and this is awesome like it it really had me invested from the get-go yeah that's again for something that has been done several times and you again you could probably look at the the poster for this movie and the poster is Will Smith with a bunch of robots and it says one man saw it coming. You like, you know, right there, like, okay, here's, I know what I'm getting into, but the story in between keeps you hooked up to that point of, okay, I know it's eventually going to be, well, the robots are going to try and take over, but there's so much actually, there's a lot of good stories and character development in between those mo- that moment that just continues to keep you invested, which again can be very rare because from the second you turn this on, there's not a, there's a mystery, but it's not a mystery because you know where you're going. It's just okay. Well, how do I? Is it a human that's doing this? Is it just the robots that are self aware? Uh, which has been done time and time and time again. But the fact that it still keeps you hook, hooked is very, very impressive. Yeah. So, all right. Well, Harrison, let's get right into this next segment, which is from the lobby. Uh, from the lobby, we talk about our favorite and least favorite scene in this movie, which Again, there's not. It's this one is an interesting movie for me for this particular question because there's not a ton of action where you could pick like, oh, this scene because this is going on and the 
you know, buses jumping the ramp with a bomb in it or whatever the case may be. Um, so I'm really curious to, to hear what your thoughts are on what your least and what your favorite scene would be. I'll, I'll let you start with whatever one you'd like. Yeah, okay, let's go with my least favorite scene. And I'm having a hard time picking this because there's not one particular scene that is just downright horrible. Let me let me say this. There, there is not one scene that is just horrible that really um, bothered me. The one scene that I didn't like is when Will Smith is being attacked by all the NS5s in his car and those like two trucks turn sideways and block him in. Part of it is how dated the CGI is. But additionally, they cut back to whatever the character's name is, uh, the, the CEO, Robertson. They cut back to him in this way that makes you believe that Robertson is evil when he's not. And it just felt like a kind of a dumb red herring. Uh, it did end in a sweet reveal with Will Smith's arm. So that was cool. But the entire scene, I was just like, oh, my gosh, the CGI is so bad. Like, can we just – how long is this going to go on? And he just, like, kept driving. And, and uh, yeah, that, I'm saying it's – it sound, when, I, when I'm listening to what I just said, and it sounds worse than it actually is. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. Stop talking. I'm digging a hole. <laughs> no, I I totally agree because it's so. Uh, again, that is one of the scenes where it's like, okay, this movie's a little dated, but also too, it the way that they cut to Robertson, it almost makes it feel like, you know, they say there's no reshoots, and to me, the way that that scene is cut together almost makes it look like they actually made a mistake in the editing room that that scene wasn't supposed to be cut into that segment because it really is just you know they use that but it even when i saw that i still didn't actually even believe that it was him that was responsible for doing this. It just, it felt like a weird transition, like almost something that they cut and pasted and forgot that they put it in the wrong spot in the movie. Yeah, I, I agree. There was something about it that, you know, previous to that, I really liked what they were doing. Cause it kind of felt like, Oh, is this the CEO guy? Is he good or is he bad? Like, is he responsible or is he not? And I was kind of leaning towards the not, like I really liked how they didn't just go for like, Oh, the CEO, CEO is just some evil overlord. I, I really didn't enjoy that. And then that one scene where they cut to him made me start to doubt myself, like, oh, maybe maybe he is. Uh, and he's not. And it, it was just like, well, that was out of nowhere. In addition to the horrible CGI that just I was like, okay, this is too long. <laughs> yeah, no, it, right, exactly. It's, you know, it, it's that part where it's, yeah, we, we understand that maybe, you know, budget or things like that or stuff like that's hard. But, you know, that's when you have to maybe understand you should cut your scene from five and a half minutes down to three and a half minutes. So you don't have these glaring issues just hitting you in the face on camera. Right. So, yeah. Any other scenes that you want to point out that just didn't work for you or because I agree with you, there's there's not a lot that's like glaringly bad about this movie. There's not a crin to me, there's not like really a cringeworthy scene or anything like that. But anything that you wanted to point out before we maybe talk about some of, you know, the individual scenes that that really work. Oh, uh, no, that was really the only one. Right. I. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah, good movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is a good movie. Can you believe it? <laughs> so I'll, I'll let you go first. What 
you know, maybe you got a couple, but what scenes stand out to you? I, I know yeah. you kind of mentioned one a little earlier. Yeah, I mentioned that one, so I'm not going to go with that one, even though I really, really did uh, like that scene. I, the two of them really stand out to me. The first one, when Will Smith or Spooner is interrogating Sonny in, in that, like, I don't know, cop room, whatever it's called, and, right. and we start to see the emotion in Sonny. That is just a fantastic scene all around. The, the comments that Spooner is making about robots, how they can't write an orchestra or turn a canvas into a beautiful painting, and Sonny responds, well, can you? And then right. the way that Sonny begins to show emotion, he slams the table. Um, those types of things. He asked what a wink is. That, that was so intriguing and like really got me invested in, in all of it and in the character of Sonny, which is important. I mean, Sonny's MVP here, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, so that scene, one. The second scene, I love when there's just the rows and rows and rows and rows of white NS5s and Will Smith is trying to find Sonny. Uh, there was a lot of scenes in this movie, but that scene in particular, I was like, yeah, Will Smith is the, is the greatest star of the two, early 2000s. Like, he's got it. I understand. This is why people love him. And, like, I, I don't know what it was about that moment and his earrings that I just love that made mm -hmm. me just, just finally get it. Like, this is why Will Smith is Will Smith. Yeah, I, you know, that interrogation scene with Sonny, I really like, I, again, just the dialogue back and forth. I really like to the scene where Sonny is going to be um, decommissioned and he's talking to, uh, sorry, uh, detector, uh, not detective, uh, Dr. Kelvin. Why did I just yeah, forget Kelvin. her name? Yes. Um, and he just asked her, like, is it going to hurt? And again, like, that's a, you know, that's a robot, but there's a really real emotion to that or, you know, something of, you know, not to get like crazy personal, but like I thought about the time like I had to put like my dog down. And like Sonny asking, like, will it hurt? And like, you think about, like, I thought about that, like when I had to put my dog down that I had for like eight years and things like that. And like, just weird little connections that I got during this movie about, oh God, like, I can't believe he's asking that. And you can see in her face, like the emotion of, well, you know, was she maybe going to do that until he said that line to her? And then she had a change of heart. Um, I just think there's a lot of real emotional moments that you can attach yourself to in this movie. That was one of them for me. Oh yeah. There is so much about Sonny that just really, really works. And that is definitely one of them. Yeah. I do like to, when, um, it, like towards the end when he is going to see, uh, Robertson, he's like, Nope, I'm just a civility like I'm just another like I'm one guy just coming to like kick the <laughs> crap out of another guy. And um when he, he crushes the one security guard's hand and he just then he asks the other security guard, Hey, where are you taking your friend? I'll come sign both your casts. Like again, like <laughs> just re like really funny, the smirk that Will Smith gives, and like you said, like, oh yeah, he's he was just totally untouchable at this point in his career. Uh, just little yeah. things like that throughout this entire movie work, extre work extremely well. And for a movie that doesn't 
I mean, it really doesn't. There's not a ton of action action behind this movie. Oh, no, there really isn't. And and I love that they just let Will Smith's charisma uh, just gloss over the screen so well. I mean, to just add two other scenes, two not even scenes, just moments that I loved. When he, the, the opening of the film, when he chases after that robot with a purse and he hands the dude his pie and he's like, dude, wear it or hold it. And I, just, <laughs> I, I love that. And then later when they're talking to the CEO dude, uh, I keep saying his name and I always forget, Robertson. And and he says something, and the just most obnoxious sneeze I've ever heard. Right. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm sorry, I'm allergic to bullcrap." Like that was just that was awesome. And the charisma works so well. In that scene too, I believe it's that same scene where he is getting coffee, and he's like, "Sugar," and he's like, "What?" He's like, "Oh, oh, you thought I was calling you sugar? You're you're not that <laughs> rich." Like, and again, it's just it's a line that you've probably heard. In so many other movies or some variation where it's like, oh, you thought I was calling you that? No, but again, it's it's his presence, it's his charisma that makes all of those things work in this movie where I, I will ask you this because it still felt like this to me when I watched it. This is one of those movies where it it flies by for me but it doesn't feel like it's too short. Like there's movies that go by and I'm like, geez, you know, that was okay. But man, instead of that being an hour and 40 minutes, if they would have, you know, I wish they would have expanded or made this two hours. Cause some of these things could have used a little bit more time. I feel like this movie flies by, but I also, I never felt like it was rushed. I felt like everything came through a logical path. Oh Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, even the thing how we get like the three laws at the beginning that are also revealing, not revealing, but hinting at foreshadowing what happened with Will Smith in the, the car accident and how later that's revealed. Also, that scene is fantastic between him and Dr. Calvin. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a really phenomenal scene. Um, oh, he's oh my god! He shows the the necklace and I just how his voice like cracks when he's like that was somebody's baby. Like oh my god! Like, <laughs> yeah, he's got some range. Will Smith really does. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It just feels really progressively earned, continually. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. So I don't. I, I mean, I could just talk about scenes i could just talk about little tiny scenes over and over and over again so i i certainly won't get into um i I won't get into that part of it so anything else that you before we move on anything else that you want to say at that point yeah just one more note about will smith and his charisma particularly this time like i mentioned uh I am legend. If you want to listen to a, a Basement Binge episode, that's a that's a good one. I'm. St- it's been like a year. It's been over a year because I was supposed to do a year re-review, and then my schedule's just been so busy. I'm still planning on it. Anyway, I uh, am still trying to form my opinion about that movie. But when this film started, first, is this the same house as I Am Legend? Because it seems like it is just redesigned for a new movie. I don't know if you know that. Probably not. But anyway, I had to say that. Uh, w- when the, the movie's going along, and as it starts going through the story with Will Smith reminded me so much of I Am Legend 
because of all the things I liked about it being with Will Smith. Like as a le- the sole role, it is this is a Will Smith movie. It's not a Will Smith and a Shia LaBeouf movie or whoever. Uh, it, it, this is a Will Smith movie, and we're going through it with him. And it this movie reminded me, oh yeah, I really actually did like that about I Am Legend. Which is significant enough because normally with I'm Legend, I'm normally just like, meh, whatever. And I'm, I'm like really dismissive of it. So for a movie to remind me that I like something about it must be really good here. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, that's, you know, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I haven't watched. I really, I really have not watched I Am Legend in probably... My God, it's it's six years or more. it's at least minimum of six years since I have watched I Am Legend. Um, <laughs> man, I really want to go back and watch that movie again. Well, maybe maybe we should plan it so I can do the re-review that I need to do and we'll do it together. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if nothing else, I just want to rewatch it for that stupid teaser poster that they had for Batman v Superman in that movie. Um, <laughs> I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch that dog scene though because that scene breaks my heart. But oh I, yeah, yeah i I would definitely. Definitely rewatch. Yeah, I got to rewatch that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I just have a question. Why is his name Spooner? Like, I think it's awesome, but like, why? Yeah, I, you know, they probably had names on a sheet of paper and they just said, which, which one? Like, and Forker was taken by somebody else. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Detective Forker. Like, oh man. Oh, God. I wonder sometimes – that is, like – I wonder sometimes how they do come up with character names for a movie. Like, Yeah, I want to be in that room where they – Do you go on a website and, like, honestly, like, for video games, if you're playing, like, Skyrim or things like that, there's, like – or Dragon Age or things, you know, of that nature. There's websites that are random – like, random character generator names, like, do they literally just go on a website and use a random generator to get a character name for a movie? Like, I'd love to know that. Or like you said, just be in the room with, okay, here's 50 choices. Uh, Everybody vote. And whoever gets the most votes, that's the name we're choosing for the character. Yeah. So, cause some of them are, some of them are weird. Like, yeah. So, but <laughs> as we're getting towards the end um, of this episode, we're going to get to our rating system. And here at Matt Goes to the Movies, we, we rate this on a real system out of five. Harrison, first time seeing this movie, what would you rate this movie? I've been thinking about this because I knew you were going to ask me. And I have a hard time. I think before this conversation with you, it would have been a two and a half, maybe a generous three if I'm really feeling it. After the podcast, I think it's just a solid three and a half for me, which is like a good thing, Uh, a good three and a half. Like that's a good rating. I have to always remind myself that like anything less than a five, I'm like, oh, that's not a good rating. But like three and a half is good. Yeah, I, I always have a hard time sometimes thinking about like, oh, if I give something a three and a half or I give something, you know, a three, you know, and I think that's true of maybe 
like, I don't know if you do it out of 10 and you give something a seven out of 10, is it like, eh, well, that's bad. Or if you give it a six, it's like, meh, but yeah, go, go ahead though. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, here. I, I got to remind myself that three and a half is above average. Like, like that means it's good. It's half a star away from four anyway, uh, or half a real, excuse me. Um, yeah, three and a half because there there are some things that's like yeah, CGI is a little dated, story's a little uh, overused and and overdone. There's some things that that don't a hundred percent work for me. But we've talked a ton about the charisma of Will Smith that really works and the the era that really lets that shine. Alan Tudyk is sunny and the the emotion that these characters surprisingly have in a sci-fi story that really doesn't usually lend a lot of emotion to characters. And the way that that works together and how this film is intriguing and exciting with so little action. Like I could keep going on with the positives we've been mentioning. There are just some moments where it's like, okay, yeah, this isn't like the greatest thing ever. It, it still follows those genericness, but it makes something good of that genericness. That's completely worthwhile. And then, and great. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, I'm right there with you. I would say I would, you know, I would rate this three and a half, which again is after talking about the movie, like it almost feels weird saying it's three and a half, but that is like, that's a good rating. It's, it's a half a star away from being four out of five. And I could maybe even saying like pushing it 3.75 reels out of, out of five, but I enjoy this movie a lot. I, you know, had a lot of fun rewatching it. I think if I were, it's like a little sidebar though. I think actually watching this movie in 3D, I could actually give this four and just give the regular version three and a half because realistically, the 3D conversion on this, for me being somebody who loved going to movies in 3D when Avatar first came out and things were starting to actually, you know, take advantage of 3D. It adds a lot to the the visual quality of this movie. So in th- my little sidebar would be 3D. I would give it actually four and just the plain, you know, standard edition. I, I would give three and a half reels. You know, you and Rob are real uh, salesmen on 3D. I remember way back uh, a guest show or guest appearance you had on my show for Valerian and City of a Thousand Planets. You talked so highly about that movie in 3D. And I bring this up because I was actually thinking about it today randomly. I was at work sitting in a meeting. And randomly, what I was thinking about was, man, I wish I had a 3D TV so I could watch Valerian in 3D. Why was I thinking about that? I don't know. But you and Rob alone are making me wonder, hey, maybe this 3D thing isn't as dead as I thought. Maybe there are some things that are worth checking out. But that means I have to get a 3D. Yeah, I, I'm i telling you, I got mine. Here's just a, a funny story for listeners. Uh, I used to work at Target. This is over a decade ago. Um, and I worked there for seven years. But as we were, you know, as I was on the overnight shift we bring down a pallet of TVs and lo and behold, here's this one TV on there. We go to scan it. Store doesn't carry it anymore. It's a 55 inch Vizio 3d smart television. Normally it's supposed to be 700 bucks because it's 
out of production, everything else in between, my discount, I get this TV brand new in the box, 150 bucks for this 3D television. Um, and let that me tell you, when I got that, uh, Harrison, I went on a tear of buying 3D movies and just watching them at my house. You know, I'm jealous. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, I had so many 3D movies that I got. I would look actively on Amazon left and right for sales on 3D. You know, like I said, I bought this. I bought Avatar. Uh, later on, I bought Ghost Rider, um, Spirit of Vengeance, which is a terrible movie, but it was in 3D. Um, I bought 47 Run and in, in three, like just anything I could get my hands on in 3D. <laughs> uh, Shrek 1 through 4 did conversions in 3D. Like oh everything <laughs> I could get my hands on, um, I got it in 3D just to watch at the house. That's awesome. So, but yeah, no, I mean, if somehow, some way you could ever find one, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd recommend it. <laughs> but. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe with Avatar 2, 3D will be coming back into fashion because apparently James Cameron has, according to certain um, people, revolutionized 3D again to where people are going to want to go see it again in 3D. How how can he revolutionize 3D? Which will be interesting to me because if he brings back, that that will be quite a feat. Yeah, I, I genuinely, like, don't get me wrong. If if you can count on anyone for that, it's going to be James Cameron in an Avatar movie. But I would genuinely be shocked if he actually does. Right, yeah. it. I'm interested to see it, but, um, you know, maybe without the pandemic. Um, I don't know if that really has anything to do Um I just I feel like it's affected so many other things that how could it not affect getting, you know, the resources and the materials or whatever he would need for, you know, how he was going to, you know, once again, increase 3D technology to the point where people would want it back. Um, I just can't imagine the way it affected everything else that somehow, some way COVID did not affect maybe some of his plans for you know, 3D. Oh, yeah. And, and additionally, COVID, hey, don't get me wrong. I've been going back to the theaters. I know Matt has, you know, if people are not rushing back to the theaters, you know, like a wave, you know, they're, they're coming back slowly and, and rightfully so. But the, the slow trickle back to theaters definitely isn't going to be something that though that trickle is also going to just rush over into 3d all of a sudden. So yeah, I, I agree with you that whether from like a, a, a actual purchasing ticket standpoint or a production standpoint, I think that there's a lot that was changed, but either way, I am excited for avatar too. Yeah, no, I, I am. I, I don't know. I just, I am one of those people that even though it has been so long since the first avatar came out, I 100% still want avatar 2 i i want that i want to see what is happening a hundred percent i know a lot of people have said it's too late it's done there's no reason to even bring these movies out um for me no hundred percent i i want avatar 2 oh yeah so same 
So, so Harrison, before we close out here, um, you know, listeners, uh, all of Harrison's notes will be with uh, this episode. So you can find, you know, the basement binge and listen to some of the episodes that we talked about in the beginning. But, you know, before we close out, I'd like to give you another opportunity to to plug the basement binge and, you know, maybe give us some insight on a couple of things that are that are coming up that maybe you didn't mention in the beginning or just to remind listeners again. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. First off, thank you so much for letting me be here to do this episode with you. This has been a ton of fun. It's always good to be on your show. I was sad when we missed when I missed the Loki episodes because it's like, oh man, it's going to be so long before I have a chance to be on Matt's show. So when you you reach out to plan this, I'm I'm really really glad that you did because it's been fun. So thank you. Um, but yeah, the Basement Binge available wherever you get the podcast. Uh, additionally, Matt is so nice to list it in the show notes. Um, tons of fun episodes over there. If you're into science fiction, the MCU franchises, animation, uh, anything, <laughs> it's all there. It's kind of a, a smorgasbord, so take your pick. Uh, but yeah, like I mentioned, Snake Eyes episode just came out. La La Land episode coming out. Additionally, I know that uh, Matt, Rob, and I are planning to do an episode on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle reboots from the late 2000 or early 2010s. So that's going to be fun. Yes! Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> things to look forward to here at the Basement Binge. Which, you know what? If you're uh, if you're a listener from Matt Goes to the Movies who's going to cross over to the Basement Binge, before these Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are even uh, being thought about, uh, this is what i got to say. Prepare for me to try my hardest to defend these to what I think is going to be a slander from both Matt and Rob. <laughs> because I have such this, this childish love. Oh, well, I, okay, <laughs> so I cannot wait. I'm sure there's a couple things we might disagree about, but <laughs> I will, I will fully say I have a, a soft spot for these two movies. They are, are they great cinema? No, I'll leave that no, as no, the no. only thing that I will say, but do I have fun with these two movies? You bet I do. Um, so <laughs> it, I think it'll more be Rob of you and me laughing about how much we enjoy these and Rob being like, you know, you can get them on uh, the Tubi app, which is free. Not a good sign. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, trying to ruin everything like it does. <laughs> so um, I look forward to that. Um, but yeah, Harrison, it's. Uh, I know Rob and I, it was fun to do Loki, but just, you know, due to scheduling and things that you were doing, um, you know, in, in your personal life and, you know, getting some, uh, some work things done and everything like that. Uh, you know, it was definitely uh, bittersweet to, to finish Loki. It was fun to do those episodes, but we definitely missed you on them. So uh, I'm glad we're able to do this. We've got Turtles coming up. There's some talks about doing the Pirates of the Caribbean series, uh, the Caribbean series, which I think would be an absolute blast. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, you know, hopefully getting some of those things done. And I will say, uh, listeners, he talked about, you know, episodes that he's done. Uh, I will be going, and Harrison might find this pretty cool, in what do we call up August? Uh, I will be going in August to a release of Howl's Moving Castle on the big screen at Regal, and no way. that is one of my. I'm just gonna say this: that is one of my favorite episodes that you've done. Um, 
the only reason I watched that movie was because of Harrison's review. And I said, I have to watch this movie. Um, I adore that movie. I think it's fantastic. It's literally one of my favorite episodes that you have on your channel. And I cannot wait to go see it on the big screen. I bought tickets for one of those like, like fathom events that they have. And I, I cannot wait to go see that. So listeners, um, you know, if I had to say, pick an episode, start, if you're into anime things, um, Besides what I said about the Dune episode, because again, I I love that episode because there's just such an enjoyment from Harrison. It's so cool to hear um, just a genuine excitement in his voice about what he saw with Dune. Uh, Howl's Moving Castle is such an articulated review. It's phenomenal. So check that one out. Wow. Thank you. I appreciate the comment. That's so nice of you. Also... <laughs> I am now going to go find tickets for this house. <laughs> <laughs> so thank so, you. That was very, so yeah, nice. no, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on, you know, listeners, like we said, uh, the basement binge, uh, will be links to that show will be in the notes of this episode. Uh, check that out. Continue to come back, check out Matt goes to the movies. We've got, you know, stuff coming down the pipeline, some collaborations with me, Harrison and Rob. And also, uh, I would be totally out of line if I did not plug the fact that Rob has another episode of the extended universe podcast for Matt goes to the movies. Um, he first did an episode with his brother for fight club and now they have recorded an episode for Goodfellas, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, fans of Matt Goes to the Movies, you guys have downloaded and listened to you know that first episode of Fight Club. So if you enjoyed that and you're looking uh, for another one, Goodfellas will be coming out very soon. Look forward to that. So Harrison, thank you so much to all the listeners that uh, from this show, from the Basement Binge that have come over, whether or not where you started. Thank you so much, and we will see you very soon.